Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Olive Magazine Podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 188. This week, Rhiannon and Ellie chat about the best food to indulge in during the ski season, from boozy hot chocolates to Italian pastries. Plus, where's travel in 2020, from idyllic Greek islands to UK staycations. So welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Rhiannon and talking to Ellie. Hello. Uh, and we're talking today about ski food because Ellie has just been on a trip to Alta Badia in Italy. And um, Ellie, of course, the great thing about ski food is that, or going on a ski holiday, I should say, is that you can eat lots because you've earned it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it was my first time skiing and um, as well as just the beautiful surroundings, it was the, it amazed me that it would be half 10 in the morning and you'd be up the mountain and you'd have done a bit of skiing and then everyone would be saying, why don't we stop for a hot chocolate with a bit of amaretto in? And, and I was like, it's half 10 in the morning. Is this normal? <laughs> and a few days in, you're like, oh, this is just the way you do it. Yeah, you I need love, to keep your energy just up. Keep your energy up. <laughs> just skiing from well that I feel like that's my kind of skiing you just ski from chalet to chalet <laughs> having a crepe at one having yeah having a hot chocolate another absolutely and um but the I, the thing that some people think of is that ski food when you are in these places mm. is just tartiflette and fondue and it's so much more than that isn't yeah, it yeah and, and, and quite regional as well mm. so being in Italy what what kind of things did you find yeah there? so we were staying so we were staying in um San Cassiano which there's like three different small villages and this is and right in the north of right, Italy right uh, yeah so in the south Tyrol region um and so it's an amazing region because it's got, I'm not quite sure how many, but a lot of Michelin star restaurants within this very small space. So you've got that really fine dining food, which 
the chefs are sourcing all the produce from the the farms and the mountains but then you've also got the classic pizza restaurants which isn't just any pizza it's these amazing wood-fired pizzas and they're all topped with like speck and local meats and then you've got the delis and the and the little cafes so if you're self-catered you can go and stock up on um pastries for the day ahead breads cheeses and one of the things that I noticed quite a lot in where we were is apple strudel which Mm. I wouldn't associate with Italy um but in every bakery in every deli you'd find either massive long slabs which you could you could buy whole I remember I went in and she said do you want the entire thing I was like (laughs) maybe not um and they're all kind of like um speckled with sultanas and then dusted in icing sugar and really lovely yeah and that's a nice nice way to cozy up after a day of skiing I mean the baked goods are often a really nice way Mm. to try something local aren't they I remember um going to I'm a big fan of the Pyrenees and we went skiing in Cauterie in the Pyrenees Mm. a few years ago stayed at a lovely hotel called the um, Lyon d'Or which is a really quintessential small French hotel uh, with little blue shutters and it's owned it's really sweet and homely owned by the fourth generation of the same family and their breakfast they had these lovely um, gâteau merti these it's a local speciality a bit Mm. like a giant really giant blueberry muffin and you have a slice um and but they also the the grandmother um baked these things called merveille which are wonders Mm. and they're like little pillow shaped donuts dusted with icing sugar she made them every morning and they're the kind of thing if you were somewhere else you you wouldn't probably indulge because you'd feel a bit too heavy but because Mm. you're going skiing you you kind of feel great yes i'll try (laughs) that this will fuel me for the day yeah so that's um that's like quite similar by the sounds of it to what we had from this um little cafe called cafe plona and they have uh bombalone a la crema that's probably the wrong pronunciation. But um, again, it's kind of a, an Italian style donut. They're, they're, they look quite big, um, but they're very light and they're filled um, with like a custard. Some are filled with like flavoured custards and then again, dusted with icing sugar. And I'm not quite sure they're made for pre nine o'clock because when I went in <laughs> and had one with a coffee, he was like, are you sure? Not a croissant? Nothing else? And I was like, no, no. So I think that's more of a mid-afternoon indulge. But, um, but again, yeah, very very light but yeah lovely perfect yeah <laughs> um and what else did you try what about mm. things like um wines and things like that were there lovely local wines yeah so there were wines but i think the 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 thing that you'll find in all the bars and restaurants is an aperitif called hugo and so when you're on the slopes um there's all these little pop-up bars serving of course aperol which is a big thing but the hugo aperitif is um a spritz kind of special from that region and it's a mix of prosecco elderflower and mint so it's actually tastes very like floral and summery but really light um and not quite as um boozy or powerful as a, as a, an aperol maybe um really fragrant and yeah that's what you'll find everywhere you'll go in it's actually pronounced i think it's ugo 
No, you don't you don't say it like Hugo because I had a lot of strong lucks when I went in and I was like, can I have a Hugo? And they're like, oh, what? Um, So, yeah, that's what you'll find, as well as, of course, the mulled wine. um, Of course. Which is just a given. Uh, Yeah, all spritzed up with warm orange slices and yeah. Really properly made. Yeah. Lovely. Um, uh, We also went another time to France to Saint-Martin de Belleville Mm. um, and... Actually, that foodie guide is online, I yeah. should say, as well. And that we found a bar there um, that specialised in just in mulled wines. And there was this beautiful wow. row of copper canteen tureens, um, each one with a different mulled wine. So one was um, red wine, one was white wine, but one and one was alcohol-free, just apple juice, mm. and one was a cider, Ooh. a mulled cider. It was really delicious. That's nice lovely. Yeah, and you kind of forget how wonderful it is when it's done properly don't yeah. you instead of just you know warmed up a little bit and then yeah. poured in but yeah it's and when you've been almost, out and your kind of bones are cold mm, it's just what you want you but, just need yeah. something that's what I think I was so shocked at obviously you're so high up in the mountains and you you almost forget that it's going to be so cold and then you step outside and it's that bracing yes. of that chill <laughs> that kind of whooshes over you so anything warm is wonderful yeah <laughs> And what what else did you try? Yeah, so when you are up in the mountains, there's all these little chalets and you've got the little wooden ones that are quite traditional where inside it's like red checkered curtains and um, cushions and it's all very cosy. But one of the favourite restaurants we went to was called um, Pisbo Alpine Lounge. Um, and so it's at the, you take a little bubble lift and it's, um, from Corvara up to the top and it's quite Scandinavian in design it's very striking it's um, all glass so it's beautiful the views you get are amazing but you go in and you can either there's a fine dining I'd say section where you can book a head and book a table there's a little bar area with like an open roaring fire in the center and then there's also a self-serve section which sounds a bit strange but it's it's not like you're just going to a canteen. The food there is amazing. So we just queued up and we, um, they have a small, small menu that you can choose from that day. They always have like a pasta dish and, you know, they have about yeah. five different dishes and the chefs are just there rustling them up. So um, we ordered one, which was just very simple spaghetti pomodoro, but at its best. Yes. So the sweetest, the freshest tomatoes, silky strands of spaghetti Um but I'd say my favourite dish I had there was, so polenta is really big in that region. Um, in all the delis, you can buy packets of polenta speckled with everything from mushrooms to cheese to meat. It's, yeah, that's what they eat. And so mine was a giant plate of polenta, kind of like oozing, topped with um, nuggets of like bouncy mushrooms and then crumbled blue cheese on top oh, so when they serve it up the blue cheese is still in kind of cubes and then as it goes on it melts into the polenta kind of making Gorgeous. this like puddle <laughs> oh yeah and again that's the thing it was probably something it sounds very simple but it's so warming and yeah. it's and it's not filling you don't feel heavy afterwards but you just feel the right amount of content that you can carry on and do a bit more skiing I'd say <laughs> um and the polenta really well cooked as well yeah That's the really well cooked because I when before I ordered it I was a bit apprehensive because 
I was like, polenta, you know, so many times you just yeah. think, you think of polenta chips that are just a bit dry and all this. But here it's like, it was like mashed potato, like the creamiest mashed potato you've mm. had, just with a little bit of a crust almost. So you get that texture to mm. it. Yeah. Lovely. And I thought that was a really interesting point about these self-service restaurants mm. on the slopes. I mean, obviously you can still get pizza and chips and whatever, but I'm always surprise I don't know why because I've been going for quite a long time now and the food is sometimes yeah. really good and you can have a really good salad or um you know a plate of um well uh, the one the other place we go to is Baqueira in mm. Catalonia in Spain ah. which is quite interesting because yeah. it's a bit different you, yeah you know there's a Cinco Hotas restaurant on the slopes there so you can go nice. for some jamón <laughs> and some uh, red wine <laughs> but they also have um their, their um, self-service places have some gorgeous things at lunchtime that are all very fresh and yeah. not at all stodgy and you see people sitting down and having a, a on you know holding a tray but with a three-course mm. meal with a starter a main course a dessert a glass of wine yeah. it's very civilized <laughs> it's just you know and then the they thing. carry on all afternoon <laughs> skiing absolutely I feel like that's the way to do it because then you're you're fueled for the day then aren't you and you're yeah. you're set up <laughs> absolutely yeah. Um, and cheese as well talking about that mm. blue cheese that trip I did to San Martin to Belleville I went and ate at a Michelin restaurant called La Boite yes. um, which was absolutely beautiful and very alpine in style lots of wood and beautiful pottery from um, a lakeside potter nearby and but they brought out this when it was the cheese course this they called it the cheese ch chariot <laughs> the <Yes>. chariot <laughs> of cheese and it was and it had I don't remember how many cheeses it had on it but I remember that 40 of them yeah. were from the Savoy area itself wow. it was just phenomenal and then did you just pick yes did you, you just, just point the ones to that which you wanted one? that is that's like a next level cheese trolley really isn't it, <laughs> isn't it? that is amazing yeah and because it's alpine all these mm. places so they're kind of mountain areas where they have a cheese making tradition yes. so it's a lovely place to try these cheeses because they're generally really good there, that reminds me of another place we went to um which was higher up in the mountains so we carried you carried on driving um for about another half an hour from these little villages and it was it was a farm um a working farm but it also had a small little restaurant attached and that was where they served um it, they say it's best for traditional ladin ladin dishes. dishes yeah so um so it's an ancient local culture kind of native to the dolomite mountains and the dishes there are very um not what you'd associate with Italy almost, mm -hmm. but um, really interesting. So to start with, we had barley, vegetable and lard on broth. So really nourishing. It's the kind of food that it might not look the most appealing, no. but it's wonderful. And like you say, all the, the meat is from their farm. They grow all the, they don't grow the cheeses, but they, all the cheeses are made there from the milk. Um, and then we had really interesting, we had a side of... I'm going to try and pronounce it, panicia contutura. So basically when we asked them what they were, they said it was their version of a samosa. So it's flaky pastry circles that are then filled with spinach and ricotta and then deep fried. Gorgeous. So almost like a spanakopita as well, but a fried one with, um, yeah, with a different pastry. And really light, just crispy, moorish, um, 
but warming at the same time. And made fresh. Made fresh, yeah. super fresh. And then for, for the mains, it was like fluffy dumplings in a cheese coating. And and then I remember the dessert, actually. We were um, we said to the woman, because by this point we were all quite full, and we said, what? What is what is it for dessert? And we missed heard her, and we thought she said grapes, and we were like, "Oh, that's a bit strange, but <laughs> fine. We're quite full anyway. We could probably do with just a bowl of grapes." And then it came, and it was it's f- coils of fried uh, pastry, so it looks amazing. And then it's topped with they make all their own jams and honeys there, and it was topped with I think it was an elderberry jam that they make. Mm, so you're given one to share, and you can kind of just bit, break pieces off and tuck it and dip in so you're not it's not like you're super full but it's almost kind of a bit like churros but a bit crunchier yeah it was wonderful (laughs) yeah very specific I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to find that again but (laughs) that's the thing that's another reason you've got to Mm. take try these things when you can exactly you probably won't come across Uh, and it's the kind of thing where I've tried googling this word and it's Google's like what is this I'm like if Google doesn't even know what this is well then um, <laughs> must be, yeah well good so you're going to go again on another ski trip absolutely I have been converted to yeah it was one of those things where beforehand because it's like anywhere you, if you don't know what to expect mm. you're not sure are you and it's not just the skiing element which I did love it's just the whole way of life you kind of you're in this tiny little village you've got nothing to do apart from walk ski and eat and it like we um you're just slowing down yeah it's just such a nice pace of life and also because you're getting all that fresh air and exercise mm. I always feel like I sleep really well yeah. on one of those absolutely trips. it got to about eight o'clock and I was like <laughs> I've read a bit of my book I feel like I'm ready for bed now <laughs> no yeah. wild apres yeah no, not, too yeah. Many not the crazy yeah although there is that side of it as well um but yeah <laughs> Thank you very much, Thank you. And um, this is all online. Yeah. And, um, is it the March? No, it's the February, February issue. February issue. Um, but yeah, we've got plenty of ski guides online. And we've also got our um, affordable ski hotels feature as well, which That's is right. yeah, a great way to find some more bargain options. Yeah. Good. Thank, Thank you. you. Now let's hear a bit more from Rhiannon and Ellie, this time about the hottest new destinations for foodies in 2020. So a nice, simple question to kick things off. Where will we all be going in 2020? <laughs> um, well, part of me hates these where's hot lists because the way we approach Travel at Olive is never really based on where's hot, but where's great to eat. And, um, you know, it could be the most unhip destination ever, but have the best food. In fact, it often is. But at this time of year, we're asked so often by friends and readers where they should go over the coming year that we've put our heads together and made a list of 20 places to visit um, and foodie things to do in 2020, which is on uh, the website now. Mm. Uh, but top of that list is the Caucasus, which is for for foodies. The big um, attractions really are Albania, Georgia, and Armenia. And um, Yerevan, the capital of Armenia, has great cafe culture apparently. So Ooh. I think that will be we'll be reading about that. Um, and also, readers will probably remember Caroline Eden's feature on the Black Sea from last Christmas's issue. Um, and that region really seemed to strike a chord with readers because it's got these you know, lovely heritage recipes and comfort food. I remember her talking about a lemony banker's fish soup. Mm. And that area is not so well known. And I think this, um, the Caucasus, will be 
like that. Yeah. I think there's increasing interest in it. Um, and the other place I'd flag up is Romania because we're running a feature mm. by Irina Georgescu in the March issue. Um, who She's got a cookbook coming out, Carpathia. And um, I th- I'm sure once people see that they will be dying to go to Romania yeah I haven't really thought of Romania before that sounds exciting are there any other must visit must visit destinations out there well you are on trend this year Mm. Ellie because (laughs) you um we were just talking about how you have booked to go to Sifnos and Greece is definitely going to be big again this year um I mean I do think the mainland is particularly having a moment um we've got a lovely guide online about where to eat and drink in Pelion Mm. if people are looking for inspiration and Thessaloniki is somewhere I would really love to go to um And of course, Athens uh, is always a perennial favourite. But the islands are also very hot. And um, I think, you know, there's Santorini, Mykonos always pull in the crowds. But for the best food, I would really recommend people seek out the smaller islands. We ran a feature recently that's also on the website about 10 Greek island retreats. And that's got some lovely places Mm. Um, one of them on Syros was is called the Good Life, and it's this lovely organic retreat where you can help yourself to plums and peaches and lemons from the on-site farm, uh, and also have a look at a story I did a couple of years ago on Ithaca, yeah. which is a small island off Kefalonia, and I stayed at somewhere called the Lavendis Estate, and that was just dreamy, and it's got it's a kind of classic Greek island, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, lovely things, it's gorgeous. Um, local cheeses and um, baked vegetables. Mm. I remember eating in a little waterside taverna and having um, grilled courgettes were really delicious. I always remember the photo from that feature. It's just this little like table with two chairs just right on the beach (laughs) with the sea kind of lapping onto it. And I always thought, I'd like to be there right now. That looks lovely. Um, So we've covered uh, destinations. What about trends? Well, yes, experiences will continue to be big this year. I think people want to do as well as go. Um, And again, we handily have a feature in the March issue coming out on lovely places to stay across the UK where you can get your hands dirty in a foodie way. Mm -hmm. So not just traditional cookery courses, but things like learning how to smoke meat or bake sourdough or learn beekeeping. Yeah, exciting. And is there anything really unexpected? Um, cheese tourism. Oh, <laughs> now I'm intrigued. <laughs> I know. I mean, these kind of niche food interests obviously are not new. We've lots of people going on distillery tours and vineyard breaks and craft brewing visits. Um, but this year, I think dairy tourism, tourism, mm. uh, cool cheese and beer festivals. There are pop up cheese events to look out for. Uh, cider and cheese bars seem to be yes. popping up and uh, of course cheese making courses but there are some companies who are now running whole cheese based holidays so oh. in places like Somerset where there are lots of artisan cheese maker you hop from maker to maker tasting along the way. That sounds like a wonderful <laughs> way to spend a day. Um, is there anything else that we'll be doing? Um, slowing down oh, I think. Lovely. <laughs> Um, The interest in slow travel has really been growing over the last decade or so, but these past few months, it's really Mm. taking off, I think mainly powered by climate change concerns. Um, We could do a whole podcast about this. Mm. It's one of my favourite subjects, but in brief, our policy at Olive is to encourage readers not to stop 
traveling altogether, but to travel better. I mean, that's an awful word. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't mean that with judgment, just um, more consciously, I suppose. Yeah, so taking aware. fewer trips, uh, swapping flights for trains where that's possible. And realistically, it isn't always possible or mm. affordable, but where you can making those um decisions spending longer in a destination rather than going on lots of short trips maybe going on one longer trip and Mm. spending longer um, and putting money into small independent hotels restaurants and cafes so that you're supporting local communities Uh, but uh, you know that the whole thing about that that's not just from being worthy it's because it's really more fun yeah and who wants to stay somewhere that looks and feels like any other place they visited it's so nice to stay in a small guest house so it's really rooted in your destination or um and have food as well that's unique to that place i always remember one of the best trips i did which we also did a podcast on was going to kerala a couple of years ago and staying at homestay and we were there for about a week and i still say it was one of the favorite places because it was just you're living with a family you're eating their food you're cooking with them and it's just yeah that's the only way you really fully you really get to know a place isn't it yeah Yeah, really special yeah absolutely um so where can people start if they're looking to travel more consciously well their own doorstep isn't bad Mm. um i think there's a lot of interest um in staycations this year certainly I know some people in the office are planning UK breaks and coastal counties like Cornwall and Northumberland are brilliant for a foodie trip away Uh, we've just done something published something online on Foy in Cornwall and that's a real food hotspot at the moment Uh, but if you're looking like if you're feeling like you've ticked off a lot of the obvious destinations in the UK have a look at our March issue. We've got a lovely feature on the Causeway Coast in Northern yes. Ireland by the Gastro Gaze. Mm. And um, it really, it's a lovely area that is less well known among foodies, but has some great things. I mean, there are lots of lovely fish and nice places to stay and eat out and drink. But the thing that jumped out at me was this cute little 1950s caravan that yes. does grilled cheese sandwiches. Um and ice cream sandwiches as yeah, well. Yeah, the cookie sandwiches. Yeah, I made a note of notes. And we've also done a feature online on small foodie towns, places like Abergavenny and Margate and North Berwick. I think, you know, that you always have a really good food adventure, slightly more off the beaten track. Mm. Um, but the other idea would be to embrace train and ferry travel, you know, uh, weekend break destinations, especially pretty close across the channel, places like Amsterdam and paris and utrecht Mm. um they're really feasible now and we're going to compile that to help people into one handy feature on foodie weekend city breaks by um train amazing so and and possibly ferry too so keep an eye out for that I always think about the great thing about traveling trains. You get to bring out all the amazing food back, don't you? As well, (laughs) all that cheese you can eat it (laughs) along the journey. So yeah, so whether you want to, you know, spend your weekends eating cheese or traveling to Greece, I think we've got got you covered for 2020. And yeah, find out more about that by visiting olivemagazine.com. Thank you, Rhiannon. Thank you. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please review and rate us. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our brand new March issue on the newsstand now, or why not take advantage of our brilliant subs offer and get five issues delivered for only £5. Just go to buysubscriptions.com forward slash olpod, that's O-L-P-O-D, to get the offer. 
After your five issues, you automatically pay $20.99 for every six issues, but you can cancel at any time. T's and C's apply. So that's it for this week. See you next week when we'll be back with more food and drink chat. <laughs>